Welcome into One Winning Pod, where we will be previewing another night game for the Ravens. Uh, instead of playing the first game of the week, as they did last week, the Ravens will be playing in the final game of the week, Monday Night Football in New Orleans against a Saints team that shocked a lot of people, including us, with shutting out the mediocre, but I mean, offensively, putting up a lot of fireworks, Raiders, last week. Interesting game. This team's been up and down, and obviously the Ravens have some injuries coming into this game, some key players that we're not 100% certain yet if they'll be playing or not. So uh, a lot to get into here, guys. So yeah, I guess the first question is, looking at this game and looking at what the Saints were able to do last week, does this does that change your opinion at all of this team going into it from a snap perspective? No. <laughs> I, I uh, there was a long pause there because I'm just like, no, I think this team is what they are. Um, I don't know. I would be really sad to lose to an anti Dalton led team in the year of our Lord 2022. That's basically my summation of this game, which I know is a very basic way of looking at it, but uh, that is just not something that scares me. Yeah, I think my uh, I feel like my take of the Saints team is yeah, they're really up and down. You know, surprising at least in terms of like, you know, offense defensive rankings, they're they're not doing too bad. Um, at least on the offensive side of the ball, they're actually um, ranked pretty highly in the top ten in a lot of categories, including scoring. Defense isn't too bad. They're letting up a good bit of points. I think the other thing that kind of stands out is their turnover differential is just not very good. It's uh, bottom of the league right now with minus nine. But I mean, you watch some of the tape and you take out some of the turnovers. They're not playing that bad, uh, particularly for a team that really, you know, especially on offense, really don't have all of the star power that, you know, they wanted coming into the season. Like Michael Thomas has not played it down. There's been a lot of other injuries at the wide receiver position, uh, really outside of like Chris Olave and then Kamara, who has been playing like the last couple of games. It's really not that much on offense, but they do continue to you know keep moving the ball in a lot of situations with the players that they do have so um yeah I kind of agree with Alec like I don't know I feel like this team has more like they have more weapons so to say they're operating a little bit better than say like the Giants um they're less one-dimensional than the Giants but that being said like they're kind of close to them except they haven't been winning as many games well they're currently in second in their division and uh, losing to the Falcons, as, as everyone would have assumed going into the Falcons. season, that the Falcons would be <laughs> in first place in that division. Uh, clearly, that division is completely right for the taking. And I'm not sure, Chris, if we've got an official word on what's going to be going on with Michael Thomas. I know um, he hasn't practiced um, in a while <laughs> because of this foot injury, completely separate of his uh, hamstring thing that was going into the season had everyone concerned he played for a little bit there he looked like his old self for a little bit there and now uh yeah he's kind of disappeared again and unclear <laughs> when or if he'll come back so i uh i don't know what's happening there but i am definitely interested in seeing uh the chris lave experience up close and personal this game i think that's going to be a key matchup for the ravens we know that jarvis landry has been hurt with an ankle injury of him- himself so he's really been the number one target and uh, playing very well as a highly acclaimed rookie this year. Yeah, uh, Chris Olave has been 
what I think a lot of people expected coming out of the draft. Uh, he was one of the top receivers uh, in this draft by pretty much everyone's board. Um, more than one person, I think, thought that he would be the top receiver from this draft. And obviously, it's way too early to tell, but he's gotten out to the fastest start uh, from a statistical standpoint, at least. He has more receiving yards than any other rookie wide receiver in the league right now. And yeah, if you look at this offense, outside of Alave and Alvin Kamara, who had his best game of the season this past weekend, um, surprisingly, Kamara went uh, the first five games that he played this year without a touchdown and had three uh, this past Sunday. Uh, so I think that's something to to watch out for. The Saints' uh, new coaching staff definitely found something that at least worked against the Raiders. But Kamara and Olave, they're consistent threats on this offense. You were expecting that the offensive game plan will be to get those guys the ball and for them to be heavily involved in, in the game. And they'll have at least marginal success, I would imagine. Although I think both of them, there's certainly a lot of ways that the Ravens will be able to, to bottle them up. But then what's really interesting about this offense is outside those guys, you've got a lot of guys who are the exact opposite of consistent, but are capable of having huge games. Guys like uh, one of the best gadget players in NFL history, Taysom Hill, Rashid Shahid, who is a rookie, I believe he's had a couple flash plays. Um, Marcus Callaway uh, had a big year last year. I shouldn't say big year, but he again, he showed flashes and he's shown a couple flashes this year, although nowhere near what he did last year. Uh, their tight ends are decent, Adam Trotman and Juwan Johnson. Nothing that particularly scares you, but you know they're guys that have to be accounted for. So it's it's a little tough to predict how this offense is going to perform, what the Ravens are going to need to do, because you have so many guys that can throw at you that can give the defense trouble if they're schemed up correctly. But also, they're, they're guys who, who defenses have been able to take out of the game as well. So that aspect of this offense is, is a little interesting when you're looking up at the matchups here as to what the Saints might do to, to combat the Ravens' defense and what the Ravens have to be prepared for. Rahid Shahid, man, that is a player that I've seen a little bit of his highlights. That's like the classic player. I remember in the Miami game last year, like – that random guy who just like torches you with these random little plays. I feel like that could be him. <laughs> he uh, had 18 yards per target. Now, granted, it's very inflated by 153 yard target, and he's only been targeted five times. But it seems like this guy is just ex- lightning in a bottle. He has one rush in this year. It was a 44 yard touchdown. Yeah, he definitely seems like a, an interesting player that they might have some success with if you give him space. So. He's definitely somebody, you know, 89, keep him, count for him, find him every, whenever he comes in and don't let him do a, do something like that to you. Yeah, for sure. Uh, tackling will be, you know, one area that uh, defense has to continue to, to do well on this game. Might be an interesting segue. I don't know if we want to talk about it now, but we want to talk about the guy who we just traded for before the deadline, who happens to be a very good tackler. Yeah. I'll be honest, Chris. That's what threw me off at the beginning of the show. I was like, uh, Roquan is at the top of the show, Doc. <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> yeah, let's talk about him. Let's go. Since when do we follow the order of this show, Doc? This show, Doc, is just a, a smattering of ideas. We never go in order here. Come on. <laughs> I mean, when there's like a whole like title line. <laughs> 
That doesn't mean we never go in order. All right. And if we want to go in order, then one of you guys jump in and don't have me start the show. All right. I'm not hearing any of this. Fair enough. That's, well, that's totally fair. Here we are. We got to the Roquan conversation. And with uh, the lovely use of chapter markers, which are in every show, uh, you know, you can right here <laughs> and, and uh, learn all about this acquisition. So interestingly enough, the Ravens organization did not say what picks we gave up. They said undisclosed picks, but it's been reported as a second and a fifth and AJ Klein. Notably, Roquan is in the last year of his deal. He didn't get his fifth-year option extended. Uh, he's representing himself like Lamar and will likely want a record-setting deal, which will be to the tune of about 20 a year. And uh, I mean, the high-level thing is he's a 25-year-old that has two all-pros under his belt. We're not talking Pro Bowls. We're talking all-pros. So one of the best middle linebackers in the game. And uh, this is the definition of a splash move that... We've seen the cost to do many times when he thinks the team's the real deal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the big question now is just how does uh, how does Smith uh, fit into the defense that we have here? Uh, we saw, obviously, in 2019, the Ravens were able to get Marcus Peters from the Rams, and that one worked out excellently. And then in 2020, you know, we thought that the Ravens had done it yet again with Ngakwe, um, and uh, for whatever reason, that move just didn't work out and Ngakwe is now not on the team while Peters continues to be on the team and uh is a huge contributor honestly as much as as Lamar was huge for the team obviously the the team really turned it around it coincided with when Peters came not saying that Peters was the difference but um he certainly was an important cog in that defense that was needed a playmaker who was able to uh force turnovers I mean, we'll see. We'll see if, if Roquan's more of a of a Peters fit or, or an Ngakwe fit. Uh, I think right now I have to go, maybe this is being too optimistic, but I, I think that this could absolutely be similar to Peters signing, not necessarily because I think he's going to come in and, and make a, a ton of turnovers like Peters did. That doesn't really seem to be his game, but I think akin to Peters, I think that he fits in well with with what the Ravens defense is missing. It's it's in look what the Ravens were able to do in 2019 with plugging in Josh Bynes and, and uh, LJ Fort uh, players who, while we really appreciated their services uh, are have their careers have never been at the pedigree of what Smith is, especially at this young age. So um, I'm not going to sit here and, and say that I've dissected Smith's film to a T, but from what I have seen, it looks it looks good. Sure tackler, as you guys already said, um, can rush the passer well, uh, is decent in coverage. I think that this is a, is it a wide receiver? No, but this is a, an excellent move here and we're just going to have to see how it, it pans out. Yeah. I think, um, I think Roquan is our Matt Milano, honestly, like that X factor in the linebacker core that really, I think is going to, assuming the Ravens get there, we, we think that they will, but assuming they make the playoffs, like, I think he could be the difference maker at that level. Obviously, his his highlights kind of speak for himself. I th- I do think he's a really good player. He's really interesting signing. I yeah, I am a little concerned. I guess long term that like it's just it it doesn't it doesn't seem like a move that the Ravens would want to put a lot of money into inside linebacker. But then again, like if they really like him and he turns out to actually be the real deal this season, maybe they might. Maybe an indictment about you know. Maybe they should have put that money to C.J. Mosley a couple of years ago. I, I I don't know. 
But yeah, it would certainly be interesting if they do want to sign him to a long-year deal, uh, what that means for the defense's construction overall. Um, I'm sure you know we'll have plenty of conversations about that in the offseason, but uh, certainly interesting. These are different players. So I think the big problem with Yannick Ngakwe is that he, while he went to a Pro Bowl and had some good seasons with sack numbers, he was never an All-Pro. And he didn't have like consistent year over year. Whereas when you look at Marcus Peters, defensive rookie of the year, all pro several times, pro bowl several times, uh, you know, generational interceptor, uh, this it's a completely different kind of player. And then you look at Roquan and I feel like he's that kind of player at the linebacker position. I mean, really a top tier talent, one of the best doing, you know, his job, so to speak in the game for the last, since he's been in the league, he was a number eight overall pick. DaCosta liked him in 18. He talked about him in 18. And uh, when he made his comments today, when they made the acquisition official, you know, he said that they've always liked him. And uh, it's a classic, like DaCosta finally getting his guy a couple of years later. And um, I think this is, I think this is a real deal. I do think that we will extend him. And I think uh, he'll be a top contributor. And the reason I think, on top of all this, I alluded to it in our chat, but I'm, I'm starting to change my opinion about linebacker play. And the reason why I'm changing my opinion about linebacker play is because we're playing lighter and lighter boxes. Like, we're embracing the two high looks that the NFL has been shifting to. And you really need to have a linebacker that can uh, assert dominance and stop run plays and, you know, try to, like, be a really big force if you're going to be playing lighter boxes. So I think the value might be increasing in a way. And I'm curious to you guys' thoughts on that. Obviously, you need your other players, you know, the safeties, et cetera, to be also good against the run. And like there, there's a, a push and pull of having lighter bodies. And it was something I was discussing with Cole Jackson before we even acquired Roquan. I was like, I just feel like we should have we should have Hamilton in there more. We should have somebody in there more that's not like random middle linebacker. Like when we had Klein in there a lot last game, he's like, nah, you got to have the heft. Like you need to have some, the bigger bodies they'll run all over us if we did something like that. And now you got a guy who's known for his ability and coverage, two interceptions this year, two and a half sacks. And he just, he might be like just a really, really uh, dynamic piece in what is already a really good defense. Well, I, I mean, in fairness to your previous um, interior linebacker comments, and I think, you know, in general, what we've been saying on the show in the past, I, I don't think we've ever said that interior linebacker doesn't matter. I think our conversations have really just been that the way defense is, is played in the modern NFL, the importance of it has shifted through the years, right? I mean, if we go back to the early 2000s, like interior linebacker was the the cornerstone of defenses. And you look back at, at those teams, like, I mean, it wasn't just, it wasn't just the Ravens with Ray Lewis. I mean, you had the Patriots with Teddy Bruschi, the, the Steelers with James Ferrier, obviously the bears with Brian Erlacher, dolphins with Zach Thomas. I could go on and on. Like the middle linebacker was, if not the premier position, a premier position of, of a defense. And now I think that, well, I agree with everything you've, you've said. I think that, now there's a lot of other positions that you have to address in defenses before that. I mean, you you need shutdown corners, preferably two. You need a slot corner. You need edge rushers. 
And interior linebacker is important, but it's something that's much less, much lower on the priority list to to acquire for a defense. And right now, I think you're looking at the Ravens' defense where they are. We've got the shutdown corners. Marlon Humphrey has been excellent this year. Peters, obviously, he's had a couple lumps as he's gotten better from injury. But honestly, there's way more good than bad with Peters this year. Uh, safety play has been great. And when Marcus Williams is back, you've got that shorn up defensive line has been great. And pass rusher, we've got Tyus Bowser is Harbaugh said today, he's expecting that Bowser will be playing uh, against the saints on Monday night. He'll be making his 2022 season debut and Ojabo was coming back from injury. He's off the pup. Uh, when and if he comes out in 2022 is still the question. But really, what's the big hole on this def- defense right now? It is interior linebacker. And and yes, while it might not be the most important aspect of a defense in 2022, it is still important that you have a guy there that you can you can rely on. And like we've been saying, we've been seeing improvement from Queen, but it's still not fast enough. It's still not consistent enough adding a guy like Smith with his pedigree is a move that could be the final piece this defense needs to complement a, a wounded offense and help alleviate some of the issues that we have there on that side of the ball just due to injury. So yeah, I guess that's a long roundabout way of saying that, yeah, I think that you know, maybe if the Ravens had more holes on defense, I don't know if this was the trade to make, but considering how much they do have in place right now, I think that, that yeah, having a, a big-bodied guy who's a short tackler there is going to fit right in, in into what's already working so well in this unit. Yeah, I think the only thing I'm going to add is, like, if you, have a, if, if you can get a good player, get a great player, might go get him. Um, I still, like kind of what I said earlier, like, I, I think, I think long-term, like, it's a little questionable to me, I guess, in terms of, like, is Roquan worth the dollar amount? Um, but it's also, like, a, a little early to say that because our defense could be fantastic the next season and maybe it might totally be worth it. But I, kind of what Peter said, like, I still think a lot of the good defenses that you got to build, you got to have a good secondary, um, good defensive line, good pass rush up front. Like, you know, I think those are probably the two that you should start with. But given where the Ravens are now, it's like, okay, we've got a good defensive line. Pass rush is okay. It should be getting better. Roquan just feels like the missing piece right now for it. And so, you know, for a lot of people complaining about why is DaCosta not making a move, like, this is honestly, like, it is that move. It's just on the defense. Now, I think we can definitely have a conversation about, you know, why was it a defensive player? Why was it not a wide receiver? Going into this game, kind of going back into the, the preview for the Saints game, we know that Bateman, uh, we actually found out, I think, the day before that news that Bateman was going to be out possibly for a couple of weeks. So who knows what that means? Is he going to be coming back after the bye? Is it going to be a week after that? To, you know, whatever. We don't really know at this point. But, you know, now that he's not playing for more, now we're back to, you know, the same receiver group that we had before. You know, Duvernay's your number one. You've got Prochet. You've got Robinson. And, uh, Deshaun Jackson, <laughs> savior. Deshaun Jackson. That's it. That's right. The Ravens already made a move at wide receiver. Come on, guys. I mean, they actually right. And I made two, Isabella, but but yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> I I'll say, I'll say this, man. Like I was I was really rooting for the Broncos to lose this weekend because I thought if they did, like I thought Judy was the guy. I could see Judy as like a piece that would be really interesting 
for this Ravens offense, but it's not going to happen now. It's too late for that. And the Broncos won. So, you know, that kind of changes everything, but I am a little surprised that we didn't make another move there. Like I get that this offense can run without it. And a lot of the issues, I guess are execution, but it would have been nice. I think to bring in another weapon there. Um, I'm just not convinced that I'm not convinced that Deshaun and Isabella are, are the missing pieces here. (laughs) Uh, it's it's not the same situation with like a you know defense on the cusp of being great putting a great player in to like make them great. It's more of like you know receiver group is meh and maybe having somebody would have made them less meh. <laughs> yeah, we definitely there's so much I want to talk about with Roquan, but I think it's worth addressing this this elephant in the room about the wide receiver position and it did not get improved in any way at the trade deadline at least and. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm thinking the Ravens were out at the cost it was because I'm thinking like I thought at three o'clock ish Denver might be trading Judy because they did trade Chubb. And I thought when they yeah. traded Chubb, oh, maybe they are selling, right? Which suggests to me that Judy did have a price and it was too damn high. Because then we saw Claypool go for a second round pick, <sighs> which isn't our second round pick, uh, to the Bears or the the Bears acquired Claypool. It wasn't our second round pick. It was their second round pick, which will be likely higher than the 48th overall pick that he was drafted with a couple of years ago when he had full control. <laughs> now he has one year of control left. <laughs> hasn't shown anything really to like, I mean, he, he had a great rookie season, but he, he just hasn't shown that he's anything remarkably special yet. They gave up a, and that was a, that was bonkers, but, That's that, that must be the, but it must that be trade the market. Is bananas. It it has to be. It's a continuation of the NFL draft, right? You had like so many receivers go in the top 15 and DaCosta, like they had said nothing beforehand, but afterwards they're like, you know, we were being quiet and the receiver fell to us. We were going to take a receiver because they knew and we didn't that Hollywood Brown was traded, right? And so they had a need. But yeah, I mean, at the time, yeah, you had like the draft was going crazy for receivers. You had all an early free agency, all of these receivers being traded, AJ Brown, the Eagles, you had all this like capital being thrown around a receiver and it's still going. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. Like I, I, I get it from, I do get it from a value perspective. It is insane. I, I think that's way too much for Claypool. It's just, <laughs> it's, it's like a bubble, right? It's got to pop at some point. I think it will pop. I do. I think it's going to take a little bit of time though. It won't be this year, and the Ravens are not getting involved, and I think that's okay. So, I mean, here's here's the bet, right? You look at the schedule, you look at what's going on with Bateman, and you're like, as long as he has some modicum of health, right? Like, he'll be available by playoff time. Surely, we can get to the playoffs without him. Like, a lot of things have to go wrong for us not to get to the playoffs, and... We played this game before. <laughs> I know. I know. We've seen it. We've seen it go wrong. But I'm just saying, like, legitimately, right? I don't think it's a bad gamble to make. I, I, I do hear what you're saying. I just I remember we had this same talk in 2020 after the Eagles game. And we said, oh, man, we look at the rest of the Ravens schedule. And there's there's we can basically write them into the playoffs right at this moment. And I remember the end of that season, like we were sweating it out. There was a bunch of tiebreakers that had to happen. And like, (laughs) (laughs) so like, I, I, I do hear what you're saying. And I will say, yes, right now the schedule looks like there's not another game. Honestly, like this game against the saints looks like the hardest game left on the schedule. You get after the bye week and you got a bunch of teams that are just uh, capital S struggling right now until you get to maybe Cincinnati at the end there, and they just looked awful against Cleveland uh, on Halloween night. So, 
Yeah, I, I I agree. Looking at it right now, this looks like uh, just let's get everyone healthy and sleepwalk through the rest of the season. We can make it to the playoffs. But <laughs> we know it's the NFL. This is a crazy season. Like I, we say that every year, but it, th- oh, this no, season it, feels crazier than usual. So I, I don't know. I don't know what the heck is going to happen here. But yeah, I don't know. I, I but I'll say I, I hear what you're saying, but I just I don't know. I can't have that type of optimistic outlook on it. <laughs> I don't take any games won for granted anymore. I've definitely learned that lesson this year. Like the NFL's hard. It's just it's hard to get wins. And a win's a win and I'll be happy about it. Even when even when I get annoyed by the fact that we didn't win by enough or or whatever. But I do think there's some level of if the Ravens are deserving to win a Super Bowl, it's a classic, like the classic line. If like if they're going to do that thing, they need to be able to overcome losing Bateman for some games in the middle of the season against these kind of opponents. Like that just that just is what it is, right? They have bigger problems afoot if we aren't able to make the playoffs. Waiting for him to come back healthy. That's my that's my take on it. Yeah, I I mean I guess yeah, and I guess tied into that is also the the health of Mark Andrews shoulder. I mean, it sounds like that's a, not a serious injury. It sounds like there's a good shot. He'll play Monday night, but remember also going into the Cleveland game, there was talk of, of a knee injury. We're still not sure how serious that was. So, I mean, Andrews health has us worried as well. There's just a lot of injuries on this offense. Dobbins is out now too. So it's like, we're not just talking about uh, an injury debatement here. We're talking about Mark Andrews uh, playing through injury. We're talking about Dobbins out. We're talking about, Gus Edwards uh, having a hamstring injury in only his second game of the season. I don't know. I I, I think that the, there's legitimate concern here with the health of this of this offense, which is again why I think this move on the defense uh, counterintuitively was actually a really good move here, strengthen that unit to take some pressure off off the offense. Um, I know it worked against against Tampa Bay, but you know Tampa is also a team that that gave up a, a ton of points to Carol, a Carolina offense that was not showing anything before that. So, yeah, I don't know. I think we're at a really interesting point in the season where, you know, we, we look at this roster and we're like, yeah, they got, they got all the pieces to be able to do it, but a lot of those pieces are, are in questionable health, and, and that's going to make things really interesting and not in a good way going down the stretch. I want to go back to the Roquan conversation. So, he wore the green dot last year for the Bears. He was wearing it this year for the Bears. I don't think it's crazy to say there's going to be ripple effects of acquiring a guy like him. And I think one of the ripple effects could be that Chuck Clark gets less playing time. I really do. I could see a situation where Hamilton becomes the strong safety. Marcus P- uh, or Marcus Williams comes back eventually. And that's like the final form of this defense. I could totally see that happening because Hamilton's playing better and better. And I'm not saying that Chuck Clark isn't a good player and that this needs to happen right away, but I could see this being something that happens in the next couple of weeks. And I'm curious what you guys think. I mean, it certainly could. Uh, I think it would be post by if anything. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Clark, Clark is definitely, he's dependable. He's healthy. Um, I could see him wearing it the whole time and things would be fine. I mean, it, I think it's really it's really just a matter, I think, of what McDonald wants to do on the defense. Like, does he want to have more packages where he takes Clark off the field for certain ones? I mean, like, I could see Roqu- like was if he wants to take Queen off the field, you could have Roquan and Clark as your middle and dime. 
you could take Queen off the field. Have Queen more for a, you know, early downs or, you know, uh, certain blitz packages or something. But I mean, he's been playing a lot of snaps too. So you know, and, and playing better too. So I mean, it's a uh, you know, I could, I could see either one of them happening. But it really kind of depends on what McDonald wants to do. I think it's a good problem to have, right? I think Queen's ascending. I don't think Clark has been – I think he's been solid. I don't think he's been, like, fantastic recently, but I think he's been solid and he's been dependable. So, yeah, I mean, you could take snaps from either of those two guys. But I think at first we just have to see how Roquan fits in with his defense. How does he play? So that's a big matchup for me is is honestly going against up against Camaro. Like, if he can have a good game against him, then, like, that's a good sign. We'll, and then we'll have the conversation more. For me, I, I guess it depends on what we're saying, uh, you know, Hamilton's taking playing time away from Clark. I think that, absolutely, we're going to start seeing Hamilton, the Ravens, give him more assignments and, and put him in a more variety of situations. Um, I think that... that f- you know what? What he was doing against Tampa Bay was a lot of work against against the nickel, right, and a lot of work against the tight end. And I think that's where you're going to see him going forward. But I do think that for the entirety of this season, sure, the Ravens are going to want to get Hamilton involved more and more on the field as he adapts more to the NFL. But I don't see him eclipsing Chuck Clark this year. I think that Clark Clark has had a, a very good year, honestly. Um, He's been around the ball quite a bit. He's been part of pass breakups, his forced fumbles. Clark's been his old self, and I I do think that in the offseason he gets traded, not because he's wouldn't still be a valuable member of the team, but simply because, like we're saying, the Ravens have other needs. And if you're you've got drafted a, a first round talent at safety, and he's ready to go and ready to start, um, you got other needs elsewhere, like wide receiver, like we were talking about. <laughs> um, but I, I I just question the only way I would see Hamilton eclipsing Clark as the starter, and and if that wasn't what you were saying, then then I misunderstood, and I apologize. But no, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying he starts. You do think that? I, I'm I don't say I think it. I'm saying the door has been opened for it, and I think and I would say I would I would put it at probably a forty percent chance of happening. I don't think it will happen, hmm. but it would not surprise me at the least. I. Did, I just think that if you're a defense and you're trying to go for a Super Bowl, I like what I've seen from Hamilton in in spurts this year and and the mistakes that he has made, I think almost all of them if not all are adjusting to the NFL game, adjusting to learning those coverages and and, and doing what he did in college against NFL caliber athletes. I don't know. I I just I I don't see the coaching staff feeling comfortable going into the playoffs with and and not having the vet who's been there year in and year out with this defense um not getting the majority of snaps at that position now now maybe we're going to see more more three safety packages you know that's something we could see um maybe i I think that they're going to try and put all the best players on defense out on the field that can help them win the game and the more players you have who are capable of doing that the more packages you can run the more looks you can you can give in offense but I, I I would put my, it the odds much lower. I agree with you. There is a path for it. I just think that Clark's done nothing to lose the job, and Hamilton has his play hasn't been consistent enough, and he hasn't been put in a large enough breadth of situations for me to see that happening 
this year. But I could be wrong. And, you know, if I am wrong about that, then <laughs> I think that only means that, that Hamilton's just ascending at an incredible pace. Because like we said, Clark's done nothing to relinquish the job except not be a first-round pick, <laughs> really, if we're talking about it. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. I, I definitely think the arrow on this defense is, is trending up. And despite the injuries on offense, I think we have to be extremely bullish on, on the potential of this unit. And that does include both both Clark and Hamilton. I think the last thing I wanted to bring up was the overall cost. If you do some uh, JJ chart analysis and uh, assume that if we do not extend Roquan and he does walk, and this is seriously just a rental, he will likely garnish a third or a fourth round comp pick. And if they let Queen walk instead, he'll likely also get you a comp pick. So you do some JJ points, assuming one of them leaves. It's about the cost of a late third round pick. So I don't think that's crazy. I really don't think that's crazy. And it gives you the chance. The big thing I think this does is it gives you a chance to see how he fits in. Like we were saying, you don't have to keep him. But if you think he's a great fit for the team and he does elevate the play of the defense and you think that's a piece going forward, you can give him that big contract and have some confidence that like it should be good. Whereas when you go get a free agent signing, you're not so sure. It doesn't always work out. And um, I don't think it's yeah. the worst premium to pay for the the try before you buy, so to speak, and uh, and to make a run of it. So I'm really comfortable with giving up a second and a fifth for this guy. I think it, I think it's going to be okay. If DeCosta gets that long-term contract with Lamar started, use that franchise tag on Roquan. Yep. You could. We'll see how it goes. That's a big if. Just, <laughs> just saying. That's a possibility, too. So There's a lot. Yeah, there's so many. I mean, there's so many. And hey, maybe Queen keeps playing better, and we're like, you know what? We're going to go with the Queen route. Maybe he'll be a little cheaper, and like we'll get the third back, and whatever. I mean, there's so yeah. many ways this could play, but I don't think that. I doubt that. That's my least like likely timeline. Yeah, I mean, I... I, I think we're getting way ahead of ourselves. Although I, I do like the the speculating, but you know, here, here's why the the draft capital giving that up, it doesn't matter to me too much. And like you guys, um, I I agree that the Ravens have done a great job at over the years valuing draft capital uh, over um, paying for rental players that could catapult you to the Super Bowl but at the same time you know if you miss then you're setting your franchise back a couple years but if you really look at the past two draft really this last draft in particular you just had a draft in 2022 where you drafted 11 players and you had a fourth round where you drafted six players and there's several of these guys who to varying degrees look like they can help your team in the very near term and that's not without even talking about you got two first-round picks this draft as well, a pass rusher who we haven't even seen yet, who has his college coach as your defensive coordinator. Obviously, Travis Jones has come out, and he's had an excellent impact on this line. The early returns on this draft look like the Ravens got a bunch of stud players, and we'll have to see how that goes. But the thing is, like, if you did that, and, and the Ravens really did hit on a majority of these guys... Like, you had two drafts worth of players, really, in this past draft. You can't sign them all. You can't (laughs) sign them all, no. But they'll be here for the immediate three to four years, right? So I think that you have, 
for this next window coming up, you have allowed yourself, you know, the cushion to play with some of the draft capital over the next two years to acquire some vets to pair with these these young guys and and see what happens with it. So, you know, I I think that the Ravens, this is in line with what they've been doing uh, really for the past decade. You know, they've, they've made other trades as well mid-season uh, besides Peters and, and Ngakwe. And, you know, you, you need to do both in the NFL. That's just a reality of it. Uh, and I, I think they're playing, they're walking the tightrope pretty well. Uh, like I said, a little heavier on the draft these past two years. Now it's time to to make a move, which they weren't able to do last year. You got Smith. At some point, they're going to need to make a move for a wide receiver, whether it, it doesn't seem like it's going to be this year. Um, I, at This next offseason, a, a big move at wide receiver is imperative. It is the number one thing they're going to need to do. But yeah, I, I think that they are they've at least played some good cards. Whether or not they work out is going to depend on injuries. It's going to depend on how the team gels going forward, but they've set themselves up well, and we're just going to have to see how how it, the cards fall. Other teams have put together strong contenders too, so we're just going to have to see what happens. We're going to pivot back to the, the Saints, or anything else we want to talk about when it comes oh, to... Oh, wait, there's a game? I, I, I thought yeah. we, there was just moves. I was, yeah, yeah. There's a game? Oh, it's on Monday night. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, we can pivot back to the game, almost, because I'm almost, like... It almost should have been two episodes now in retrospect. I mean, I guess. I thought we were going to weave this into talk when we were doing matches, but that's fine. But I, I do think we should talk about this game because, un, you know, I do think that this is a trap game. I think that the Saints are starting to figure some things out, and you've got a a, a rookie head coach here, and, the you know, the Saints, they had a statement win last week. It wasn't just the fact that they shut out the – the Raiders, it was the fact that, you know, they had the the premier player on their team, Alvin Kamara, after the the loss to the Cardinals. Like, this guy came up and he challenged his team to to basically play better, you know? And he's, they wanted to make sure that they cut down on turnovers, like we said. Uh, that's been a problem for this team this year. They did not turn over the ball against the Raiders. And like we said, they finally found a way to get Kamara in the end zone. He got three touchdowns. Andy Dalton is a guy who, while is an unspectacular quarterback, has always played the Ravens tough. Uh, he had a 500 record against the Ravens as a starter for the Cincinnati Bengals. As I was telling the guys beforehand, believe it or not, despite the fact that Andy Dalton left the Bengals in 2019, the last season where the Ravens have not faced off against Andy Dalton is actually 2010 because the guy just keeps ending up signing with... NFC teams as a backup, their starting quarterback goes down when they play the Ravens, and he's got to go in there. He got the Ravens beat him in 2020 when he was filling in for Dak for the Cowboys, and then last year uh, in Chicago, we all remember that game where there was the uh, Ravens did the zero blitz. Dalton throws that pat bomb to Goodwin. Ravens have to drive back down with Huntley and get the touchdown, and then Tyus Bowser sacks Dalton for the win. But yeah, I mean, Dalton knows this Ravens team, obviously. He's not afraid of, of them. Again, he's not the most talented quarterback, but he's a competitor. And again, on defense, they got a lot of young pieces on this team. Some stuff's coming together. Even with Marshawn Lattimore out, they have young cornerbacks who are starting to find their way. Uh, shut down Devontae Adams last week. Devontae Adams had one of the worst games of his career uh, last week. Tyron Mateu has been signed by them. Uh, 
some Ravens fans wanted him to sign before we got Marcus Williams. Uh, some some fans in the flock in the offseason still wanted Mateo over Marcus Williams. I'm not sure if, if anyone is still on that train uh, now after the early returns with Williams. Um, I'm certainly not, and I don't think any of us are. But yeah, I am not going to lie. I think that this game is a potential trap game. I think that the Saints are running hot, uh, and they're uh, could potentially... Honestly, I look at this team, I think when everything's said and done, I think this team represents the NFC South in the playoffs. Now, that could mean they have a losing record because, as we've talked about, the NFC South is garbage. But, yeah, I'm looking at this game, and I think this is something that that the Ravens have to take seriously, and this team could give them some trouble. For sure. I totally get why you would call this a trap game. I think that's a completely reasonable thing to say, particularly given the oddly long break before like between it the fact that the saints did play quite well against the raiders they have skill position players that can you know impact you we saw alvin Kamara. he's been getting utilized in the past game a ton and he's just just so explosive that uh you know (laughs) we gave all these props to uh rashid shaheed but he was like the og like explosive player on the team you know and uh I mean, yeah, all that plus the defense, like you mentioned, that's been playing well. If they cut down on these turnovers, they could have, uh, they could surprise the Ravens. I totally can buy that. Yeah, I think for me, the the real question mark, I think for me, is the the Saints defense. Like, I think the the offense can play well. They have some pieces. They've been playing a little bit better in some aspects with those pieces. If they can cut down on the turnovers, the defense to me, I think, is the real like question mark of like they have some pieces there, I think, that are performing really well. Like Cameron Jordan continues to play at a pretty high level. Like you mentioned, Peter Tyron Matthew on the back end, he, he's he's been okay. He's actually the only person who has an interception on this defense. He has two of them for this. De- that's all the interceptions for this defense. But in other situations, like he's he's just been okay. They've got a, a decent pass rush with some of the guys that they've got. You know, the linebackers okay. I don't know, like, it could be a trap game, but I also, I mean, I look at the beginning of the season, too, and, like, I mean, Saints put up 14 points against the Panthers, and the Panthers won that game. Like, I mean, I guess it's a divisional game, but still, the Panthers are a really, really bad team. You know, and the, you know, I mean, they just look atrocious against the Cardinals. One game, I, I mean, now, I guess, you know, that is the Thursday night game. They were playing on the road. There is all of that, but... You know, this is a very, to me, it seems like a very up and down team. I'm really not sure what we're going to get. I mean, I feel like this could be as just as much of a trap game for the Saints as it could be the Ravens because of them coming off a 24 to 0 blowout at home, right? They may be super confident thinking that they can come up here and beat up on a Ravens team that had a lot of injuries on Thursday night, but we've had an extended week to get healthy and we're going into a bye. I, I think, honestly, it could go either way. Um, I would probably tend to lean toward the Ravens. I think, I just think we can get some things figured out. I think our defense is continuing to play better and better. And I do think that, you know, we can give Andy Dalton some trouble. I don't know. I mean, I, I, like I said earlier, I kind of look at this game like I did the Giants game. I felt that we were going to crush the Giants. Take that for what you will. But, you know, I just, I kind of feel the same way about this team. Like it, they're okay. The, their record is their record, and they're they're not really they're not really consistent. So I, I'm not super worried about that from 
from our perspective. Yeah, I, I feel like something that's going to be really important for this game is just the health of Mark Andrews. Is Mark Andrews able to play? And if he's able to play, is he able to be his Pro Bowl self? Against the Browns, obviously, he was shut out. And against Tampa, yeah, obviously, he, he had that injury in the first half. And he was on his way to a, to a decent game. They made sure that the first uh, pass <laughs> Lamar completed was to him. He caught that. Um, but then the rest of that drive, the Ravens unfortunately fell into the defense, knew the ball was going to Andrews, and uh, they were able to to jump on those routes. And especially in this game where Bateman's out and we're seeing the, you know, the past two games, uh, Elante Taylor, the second-round pick of the Saints this year, has filled in for Marshawn Lattimore, uh, who is expected to also be out this game, I believe. And he's been playing extremely well. Uh, I'm pretty sure I read that Devontae Adams did not have a catch whenever Taylor was on him in this past game. Uh, the Saints fans are really high on this guy, and I, I do expect that the Ravens are going to have issues with getting wide receivers consistent looks against this team. I think that this secondary is, is still you know underrated despite some of the struggles that they've had this year. The past couple games, they've righted the ship a little bit. I mean, you have to remember in that game against Arizona, again, like you said, it was Thursday night football. And I mean, how many defensive touchdowns did the Cardinals have in that game? I mean, they gave up 42 points, but the Cardinals had at least two uh, at least two, touchdowns. I think there were three three interceptions, but two were returned for touchdowns. Yeah, so so the defense wasn't quite as bad in that game as as you you look at the final score and say, but we'll see how healthy Andrews is. But you also have to love for the Ravens going into this matchup that you know the Ravens were finally able to unlock Isaiah Likely and, and able to get him a, a solid game. Uh, like we said, it was uh, almost the best statistical game in a in a single game for a Ravens rookie tight end against Tampa really getting likely out there is is a guy that I think could be really key in this matchup um they you know they have good linebackers as well uh, in fact if you if you look at PFF you want to take that into consideration their middle linebacker Demario Davis is actually the highest graded uh interior linebacker on P- during for PFF's rankings for this year uh, and then there are, Warner is a pretty solid linebacker as well. So, yeah, it's a talented defense. So it's really just going to come down to what's the offensive game plan? Are the Ravens going to have a game plan that can compensate for the injuries that they're going to have? You know, I, I, I certainly see a path for the Ravens winning this game, but it, it is going to ha- co- probably come down to some guys who, you know, the success that the Ravens had in the on the offensive side in the second half with – with their uh, second-string players, I think that's going to have to continue again uh, in this game. I honestly don't think I have too much more. The only other thing, well, it's kind of past this, but Ingram and Murray, I watched the Vikings game, and I was like, whoa, this is weird. (laughs) Oh, yeah. But if Kamara's playing, then neither of those two are going to play anyway. Yeah, Yeah, I I think... Who's doubtful? Yeah, Ingram, I think Mark Ingram... yeah. yeah, he has an injury, so he's not going. He's definitely not going to play. Right, and now Latavius Murray's with uh, Denver now too. So, and uh, Tony Jones is is no longer with the Saints either. So, uh, it'll. I I don't know what they're going to do uh, for, you know, running back outside of Kamara. Uh, maybe Taysom Hill gets more snaps. I don't know. <laughs> it's the way to Washington. Right? Yeah, that's true. It could be Taysom. Oh yeah, Jake Funk. He's still there, I think. Or no, 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 he's not. 
Sorry. Isn't Jake Funk a fullback? No, he's uh he's the running back from Maryland. Seventh round pick from last year. The Rams picked him up. Oh man. Oh, speaking of late picks or even later, actually undrafted agents, I I completely forgot that James Hurst is still in the league. And oh yeah, we talked uh, about that before the show started. Yeah. Right, but the audience didn't hear that discussion, so I'm acting like we haven't had it yet. That's true. Yeah. True, I true. mean, but regardless, yes, James Hurst will be, is the starting left tackle currently for the New Orleans Saints with uh, our good friend, and by good friend, I mean the guy that we're glad the Ravens didn't draft. Trevor Penning has um, had his uh, injury in preseason, and he's no longer, well, I mean, I don't know if he's going to play in, in the season, but he's currently still on injured reserve for them. And then in the in the offseason, the Miami Dolphins signed Taron Armstead, who had been the starting left tackle for the Saints for, for several years. So um, Hurst kind of in a, in a patchwork role, really, just kind of holding the job over or maybe keeping the job from penning. We'll have to see. But yeah, I, I, still, I still saw that, and I'm like, man, that's an, another great – uh, undrafted free agent signing by this Ravens organization. I mean, Hurst is not a star in this league by any stretch of the imagination, but, you know, he was first year was in 2014. Guy's 30 years old. He's still getting cracks at starting jobs in the NFL. You got to you gotta look at that and say that was pretty good find there. For sure, yeah. If broken leg or an ACL or something uh, going into that. So, I mean, he was projected to be a much higher pick than he was, but ended up going undrafted and we picked him up and He's able to recover from that and play pretty well um, outside of that one year. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was pretty crazy. that uh, The Raiders game, too, there was also uh, Jermaine Illuminor was on the – I think he's their left or right guard. I can't remember which one, but he was on the field as well um, as their starter. Ravens depth offensive line reunion. So, yeah, let's get to some bold predictions. Uh, Ravens are favored by three points, over under, 48 points. And uh, my, my bold prediction is this. I think they do not – get their uh, turnover differential thing sussed out. I think the Ravens make two interceptions in this game. I'm. This is not part of the bold prediction, but I think they will be Tyus Bowser and Roquan because it's not on film that the Ravens' middle of the field can cover right. <laughs> It'll be the new wrinkle. I mean, not to say they haven't been improving. Don't get me wrong, but like I'm just saying this is going to be a new level of coverage, uh, I would imagine next week it's not been on film and i hope that they can profit off of it and uh if i'm doing my score prediction i know we talked about the trap game potential but i do think the ravens should win this game and will win this game i'm gonna go ahead and say something along the lines of 27 to 13 and pulling up the sheet i feel like i use that number a lot but i I really think that's that's about right might be your default score is that your default score (laughs) I remember oh, a couple episodes, Chris called you out for basically having a default score that you want to. <laughs> I feel like I do I have a default score. <laughs> I thought it was usually 31-13, but to be fair, oh, he's not picked 27-13 yet, but 13 okay. is a very common score for away games <laughs> or for uh, uh, opponents. Opponents, <laughs> yeah. It's because he's 13. He's believing he's putting bad they luck bend, on the bend, opponent. Defense Ben doesn't break. <laughs> well, you know, I, we've got some really good news here. From the Ravens standpoint, we're expecting that Tyus Bowser will be back. I think that's going to be huge for the defense. Uh, We'll see how big of an impact he can have, but I think that that's something that's going to really take some pressure off Adafi Owe. And, you know, again, like we said, left tackle is is 
uh, James Hurst for the Saints. Ravens know this guy inside now. I think that they're going to try and, and attack him. And I could see Owe having a big night. I'm going to say he gets a hat trick. Three sacks. Oh. <laughs> Let's see. Breakout, breakout night for Owe. Let's go. That's really bold. Wow. It is really so bold. Fun. I like that. It is really bold. I got to go really bold, though, as everyone will get frustrated with me for, again, picking the Ravens to lose for a second week in a row. I do like what's going on with this Saints team, and I am... Well, I have full belief that this Ravens offense can be explosive, even with the depth, the amount of depth guys they're going to have to put out there. I I still think there's going to be growing pains with this offense, just as, as continuing to go through through injuries. It's I think that this team's going to be situated really well after the bye, but I just question if if the consistency is going to be there on Monday night. Um, and I think that this game's going to be close, but I'll take the Saints twenty to seventeen. All right. Interesting. I have a couple of bold predictions kind of running around my head, but um, you know what? I think I'm going to go defense. Um, I'll, I'll continue the theme with, with you guys here. I'm going to say Roquan makes the play of the game, uh, whether it's a forced fumble, interception, uh, game-ending sack, whatever it is. He's going he's gonna to put the hay in the barn. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I That's think, the best uh, way to put it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I, I think it's gonna happen. I think it's you know I, I like the uh, I like the analogy to Peters. Um, his first game, he obviously had the the play of the game, one of the plays of the game. Honestly, that Seattle game. Um, I think Roquan could be that guy. So um, I like that. Like I said, I I feel generally pretty good about this game, especially after what the Ravens did uh, away at Tampa uh, on that short week. Um, I'm gonna say that they win this one, but I will say it's probably a little bit not as high scoring um, as my other predictions in the past. Um, I'll say 24-21 Ravens. I was debating calling for like a Deshaun Jackson touchdown or something, but <laughs> Gus or the bold prediction that just... he's active. I think that's what it would have to be. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, Bateman's out, so I think it's not that bold at this point. Yeah, I think, I think that's very, yeah. I time. mean, Wallace was, was, uh, was inactive last game. Wasn't he? Maybe they, uh, activate him over uh, Deshaun. I feel like if they activate him over Deshaun, though, the Deshaun experiment would be over. Like, he would have been released and, like, not... You know what I mean? Hmm. Maybe. We'll see. Yeah. I, I still don't really know what the plan is with Deshaun Jackson, so... And I, I don't think... <laughs> I don't think nine routes. No, I'm telling you, man. Deep threat. <laughs> run, deep run nine threat. routes. Prochet <laughs> can't do deep... You know, he can't... He can't but I deep. thought Wallace can. I mean, obviously... Look, I, I guess, yes. Wallace might be have more... Sp- Whatever, we'll, we'll see what happens with Deshaun. I don't know. I, st- <laughs> yeah, I yeah. still have to see it. <laughs> no, that's totally fair. <laughs> All right, well, let us know what your score predictions are. You can tweet at us at OneWinningPod on Twitter, or you can comment on the YouTube page if you're watching it there. And make sure to check out the YouTube channel. we got lots of cool stuff coming up. Obviously, our NFL bets and Ravens History Corner. So definitely give us a follow there. Peter, do you want to tease the history this week? Yeah, uh, like we said, Ravens can't escape Andy Dalton. We're going to be looking at the the top five most memorable matchups between uh, the Ravens and uh, Dalton. Awesome. Looking forward to that. So, yeah, please do check it out. We'll be back next week after what is hopefully a big win during primetime Monday night. Go Ravens.